Hello and welcome back to the Best Battle Bookish podcast. I'm Mel. And I'm Reggie. And we've got a very special episode for you today where we're joined by some of the people behind Calling Darkness. Um, we have S.H. Cooper, who is the writer, co-creator and plays Bridget. Oh, am I supposed to say hi, hi? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were introducing all of us. We're 12 seconds in. <laughs> um, and we're, we also have Desdemona Howard, who plays Annabelle Crow and does the amazing episode art for the podcast. Yes. And lastly, Dan Kula, who, as well as being the composer for season two, plays Phineas. Um, hello, hello. So yeah, welcome. welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Especially Dan. He's going to be um, a challenge, I understand, if you need to kick him off early. Who the hell is that? <laughs> Your boss. Who? <laughs> the sentient jacket. <laughs> oh, the jacket. Okay, thank you. Had to bring up the jacket. Already. 15 seconds in. The jacket's everywhere. He just envelops all of us. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite like a really good jacket. Thank you. I agree. <sighs> Don't Sarah doesn't seem to think him. so. No, I'm a Floridian. We don't do jackets. Oh, you it don't was do one line uh. in episode two that was a throwaway line. I don't even know how we got here. We got here because I'm obnoxious. That's how we got here. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> you know, sure. That's fair. That's a good way of making sure that you get here. Wherever here is, here is Absolutely. the jacket. <laughs> you Seriously, wrote a season I... around it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> It's how we got to season two, finally, after yeah. so many years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, seriously, though, I don't know how the jacket became the jacket. It really was a throwaway line in episode two where Finn just says, but it's my favorite when Cassie asked to throw it over Mrs. Morwood's body. And that was supposed to be the beginning and the end. So, um, okay, so hold on. First of all, I love that this is our lead-off topic, even though Elle didn't <laughs> want it to be. So- Sorry, Elle! <laughs> Could, could we stay on this for just a moment, just so we can get clear the pink elephant out of the room here? So Please do. It, it was a throwaway line at the end of the season, yes, but it did have an appearance as an early tossaway line no, earlier this, in season no, this as well. Was, this was season two. This was episode two. This is the throwaway line. Oh, at I'm the end of episode about. two. Yes, yes, yes. And it then the you brought it back at the end two. of the season as well. Yes, because it had be, become a monster. Yes. It was. It was something bigger than than me. You had to acknowledge it, or else it wasn't going to work. The, the public was going to riot against you. I did. By the public, he means him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me and like my six Twitter followers. <laughs> he is the public. I am yeah. the public. But yeah, I, I don't know how it, it became the thing that it is. But anyway. You're welcome. I'm sure you wanted to discuss something other than the jacket. I know I do. I don't know. I think the jacket's pretty iconic. <laughs> Thank you. I... I hope your your sheet of questions is all just like seventeen jacket related things, <laughs> and then afterwards you ask us our favorite color, and then the, the, the interview just ends. It'll really okay, just no. be like, what's your favorite style of jacket? How many yes. pockets do you like? How's the Thank lining? You. There were literally two mentions of the jacket in the show itself. Two. The first one was the throwaway line in episode two, where Finn says, "But it's my favorite," and then the last line of season one, where Bridget goes. Is that Finn's jacket? Mm-hmm. And that was it. And honestly, when I wrote that line, I had no intention of bringing it back. 
And for a cool $35, I'll record it as your voicemail message. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Do people use those anymore? They will now. I mean, $35, you'd be I'm considering it. I mean, I don't know the last time somebody left me a voicemail that wasn't about my extended warranty, but... (laughs) (laughs) But those people deserve to hear about the jacket. Sarah already needs a drink. My God, that, I spent twenty bucks. It's that was lemonade, alcohol. but I definitely feel like I need something stronger. Okay, it it's was bourbon, vodka. but all right. <laughs> all right, Al. How about um, as the as the show host, you and Reggie take control? Well, this has been great. We can wrap. <laughs> we don't even need a mistake. It is one of those things that you see all the time any fandom and stuff. Like, there's just one little tiny thing that people just completely latch on to. And I think it's brilliant that there is one for Call of Darkness, and it is the jacket. Why the jacket? Out of everything, why I, this jacket? See, I, I think the beautiful part about this, though. Too. It, you never can predict it. it. She, like, acts like she hates it. But the thing is, is like her smile. she, she, you see her, she, her cheeks are beaming right now. I know that That's if you're blush. listening to this, you can't see it, but she's like beaming with pride that she gets to be a Screenshot small this, part so of this beautiful this coat. And have a single image. Just... <laughs> it's, it's, it's her sad yeah. face. <laughs> and not only is it an, a piece of outerwear, but it's also like a psychological conduit now. Since it's, you know, <laughs> apparently capable of telepathy. I think it's Finn that's more capable of the telepathy. The jacket. No, no, it's not Finn. He's a <laughs> fake ghost hunter. Next thing you it's, know, the jacket is all the fully jacket. possessed. Right? I know. Oh, my God. That the would be incredible. is actually a whole lot of um, summoning spells and sigils and stuff. Surprise. I'm just saying, season three rides itself. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So She's I guess... not saying anything now. <laughs> she's pursing her lips very firmly so she does not but, all right we'll see we'll see if season three writes itself okay i'll just i'll put it in chat gpt it'll be fine <laughs> so if you make sure you do tweet us to tell us that you do want a season three of calling darkness and you do yeah because otherwise there's definitely it. not one happening mm. that sounds nope. mildly threatening Definitely haven't thought about that. No, not at all. Oh. Haven't started it at all. Nope. Already. Don't have a storyboard. Nope. <laughs> Character <That's>... names. <laughs> nope. Did not General create a plot. cast list. Actually, I guess we just revealed that season two is the end of this particular yes. storyline. Yes. So the jacket really does stay in season two. Before he comes into season three. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God, I have man. to applaud the determination <laughs> on the jacket. I, I'm just saying, like, you know, if you have such an an iconic thing, you know, it's uh, it, it, this is like. <sighs> I'm gonna stop you right there because you called it what? iconic. What type of jacket is the jacket, Dan? It's a leather jacket, Sarah. No, it's not. Sure. I believe I've already determined that it has to be a leather jacket <laughs> yeah. in the future episode art. <laughs> Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a Even great though canonically point. it wasn't. 
No, exactly. no, originally it wasn't, but <laughs> like all good things, the show business just takes hold of it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's now, become, now you're the show business, too. You're the public and the show business. Well, you know, there are certain things in, in entertainment and cinema that just grab hold of, of societal culture, like the, a, a, a bottle of Chianti or, you know, here's Johnny. And then the jacket is like the third in that sequence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know? think I've heard that said. Yeah, by a couple of people. I'm sorry, we have taken this off the rails yeah. before it We're even sorry, left Elle. the station. <laughs> ah, it's fine. That is absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. If you haven't realised already, season two is underway. Um, currently three episodes in, I believe. This releases in about two weeks. There'll be two more episodes out by the time oh. this comes out. Are you, you release them weekly, isn't it? Uh, we release episodes bi-weekly. And in between each okay. episode, we have a short that used to be part of our Patreon. Yes. Yeah. So we'll work out how many episodes there are coming out before this comes out and put it in the show. Um, yeah, but season two is is off to a really strong start as well. The one thing when I was listening to it that struck me is the sound effects. Ah, that's um, all Christina I, Menente. And I was going to talk about her later anyway, but she's our producer and she is fully responsible for all of the lovely crunching, squitching, squelching that you hear in each episode. It's a lot of squelching. <laughs> I think it's been more than once I've been listening and just kind of going. <laughs> I'm sure she will appreciate knowing that because I do think she gets a little bit of a kick out of finding particularly disgusting squelches. <laughs> it takes all time. And it's, yeah, and it's probably part of it is the sound effects for the writing as well and the music. It's really, it's one of the few fiction podcasts that kind of really does well at conveying what's happening without having to like completely pause everything to explain to you what like is being seen and stuff and yeah it's just like some scenes you still remember ages you can just really picture it as if you are watching it in a film or tv series thank you that was actually one of the harder things about switching from being a prose writer to a script writer was uh learning that i had to have it seen through the character's eyes instead of just being like look there is a building it is big it has windows Look, Dan is being pushed out of it. Um, why? Why? The hell was that? Why. You know okay. why. Yes, ma'am. Sorry, ma'am. Someone's being stuffed into a pizza box. Yeah. That's one of the scenes I was thinking Dang it. of. <laughs> so, how... So you said, like, obviously it's a completely different process as well from prose writing. Um, so what was it that made you decide to, like, start a podcast then? And specifically something like Call of Darkness that was scripted? Um, well, I think me and Des and Charlotte and Victoria and Gemma and Allison were all starting to get into voice acting around the same time in 2018. And the big question was, well, what if we can't get cast in anything? And we said, well, we'll write our own. And it was kind of a joke. And then, as a lot of jokes that I make do, it kind of took a life of its own. 
And we said, no, we can actually do this. We have an artist. We have writers. Uh, we have, you know, people who want to voice act anyway. All we need is everything else. <laughs> and uh, so we started um, writing. And we did horror comedy just because that uh, that appealed to us as a group. Um, and we were actually starting from a very privileged position because Gemma and I already had connections with the No Sleep podcast, which is where we found Dan. In a dumpster out back. I'm sorry. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, no. Dan is Dan is fantastic. Um, he was in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got very lucky with um, Dan and Aaron and Graham and David himself coming on as various cast members. And then finding Owen through open auditions. Um and yeah, and then we had Brandon Boone in season one. He did the theme music. So, uh, like I said, it was we were very lucky to have a community that we were already kind of part of, and people like Dan who were willing to. Play. <laughs> Sorry. And somebody found that hilarious. <laughs> we were lucky to find people like Dan. A community. <laughs> uh, yeah, somebody forgot. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, we, and we came in at, um, like I said, from a very privileged position where we had kind of established ourselves with the no sleep community. Um, people like Dan were kind enough to join us um, from that group. So we had, we had an immense talent to start with. And then of course, Kate Siegel, uh, who I don't think I will ever be lucky enough in a million years to work with again. <laughs> um, thanks to David Cummings. Uh, we were able to have her on as part of the cast as well. Um, and from there, it just kind of snowballed into the entirety of season one, which was a big learning process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one for each of you then. How would you describe Calling Darkness in like three words? I got five. <laughs> Can I do Without five? mentioning the jacket. <laughs> um, let's see. Surprisingly scary funny. Um, I would say a total delight. Struggling. Hmm. <laughs> struggling. I'm struggling hmm is three words. So <laughs> it, is, it is, it is. It's like I mean, I think for us it's even more hilarious. So like that's that's what comes to mind most is like hilariously terrifying. That's only two words. <laughs> Hilarious and terrifying. There you go. Yeah. And. Yeah. That's why you're a writer. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Right there is why I'm the writer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for anyone listening who actually hasn't listened to Call of Darkness, um, it is really funny. It's creepy podcast at points. It's a, the first season is about a group of women who go for an acting seminar and accidentally unleash a demon. Um, and it's just mayhem from there, and it's it's great. Um, so, do you all have like a favorite scene, whether it's just one that you really enjoyed writing or recording or brainstorming even? Is There's, it the jacket? I'm not saying the jacket. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> There's one that is yet to be released in season two, and I will be very general about this as i reference it i don't know if it will have come out by the time this comes out um 
there is a scene in season two where Finn is in a car going somewhere with a crowd of people he doesn't necessarily know. And it is by far my favorite scene in the entire series because it's just so freaking stupid. <laughs> it is fantastically written. He means that I in had, the kindest way. I, do, I mean that in such a beautiful no, it way. Is, I know it's you're talking about. You know exactly what I mean by that. Um, Finn is in a very uncomfortable situation where he has to travel somewhere with a group of people that he uh, does not know. Uh, and it, when he realizes what the destination is, it, in Sarah, this is the only time I'll ever compliment you in public. Um, yes, it's so meticulously written so that the humor hits right at the right spot. Um, that it's, I, I think, very representative of what the show has become, where it's you think it's this kind of like dumb comedy going into it. But it's actually very dryly and very smartly written. It reminds me of, if, if we're talking, you know, famous TV production, the the kind of dry humor that like a Frasier was back in the day, um, where it's very type of smart, tight comedy that you have to really be paying attention to in order to get it because it turns a lot. He's um, talking about her vibrator. Smart <laughs> what? comedy. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke from season one. I probably remember it because I wrote it, but. That's the kind but, of smart comedy. It well, aside from that crap, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really is though. It's it's a very like startlingly intellectual comedy when you actually get into it, and that that's the part I enjoy the most about it. Aside when, from the, when the girls given, it's when the girls are given a puzzle that's always entertaining when they're trying to work out what they're supposed to do next. <laughs> Um, if I had to choose a favorite, that's really tough because what I like about writing is the character relationships. So each one has a has a different thing that I like writing about. So when it's, you know, the girls all together, I enjoy their bickering, but also they're coming together despite all their differences um, and the conflicting personalities. Um, when it's Bridget and Gloria in particular, I have a lot of fun with their dialogue because they're the two who never really um overcame their issues so they're basically always antagonistic towards each other so they're very fun to write and this season in particular i did have a lot of fun with finn um and and montgomery because their relationship is uh complicated at this point <laughs> heartbreaking yeah yes it's heartbreaking it's complicated um, and Owen McEwen, who plays sexy priest Montgomery, is fantastic. In the first season, he was very, um, you know, on point as sexy priest. He was coming in, he was flirty, he was he was fun. And this season, he has a dark edge. It's just underneath that same veneer that he had last season, but it's there very clearly. Um, and it's just, it's kind of subtle, and I really like that about his performance. But him, the way he and Finn bounce off each other is a lot of fun. I could go on about why I like writing every individual character, but with an ensemble cast, that could be a long explanation. I, I think we were really lucky there, too, with how well Owen and I bounced off of each other. He's so great to work with. It's so easy to to make a, a character work with him. I think the the tough part about, you know, a show like this, too, um, 
is that, you know, much like what we do on the No Sleep podcast, we don't get to rehearse this stuff before it's turned in. So we have to be very comfortable with the other actors on the show um, and trust that they're going to deliver it in a certain way because we have to deliver it in a certain way. And so making a conversation flow is very difficult because we have to kind of picture their voice in our head uh, as we're doing it uh, because we don't really have a read through or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have to trust the writing and trust that everyone else in the show knows what they're doing, which (laughs) thankfully they do. Um, but it's, it's difficult and it's, it's a borderline miracle that it turns into a well cohesive product at the very end. Yes. (laughs) I will say, um, I'm particularly enjoying Graham's performance as Lialga the demon. Yes. This season. Yes. He comes onto the scene and he just eats the scenery. He doesn't just chew (laughs) it. He consumes it. And it's so fun listening to him um, just basically burst onto the scene, regardless of what he's doing, and just steal the show, in my opinion, because that's what he really does. He's just such a presence, and he's so fun to write for. I mean, everyone is, but I think he gets a little, he kind of gets lost a little bit under the radar because he's had a smaller part despite being the major antagonist. We will see more of him as season two goes on, which I'm really looking forward to. What about you, Des? So, um, <laughs> so I was thinking I'm going to stick to um, things that my character have gotten to do, and um, I have to say that Sarah is usually she's really subtle um, with the character growth, and you can kind of see with Annabelle. Um, I spent a lot of time in the wall in season one. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, anytime I'm not inside of a wall is great. No, <laughs> it's only great, you know, um, it, it, it works out perfectly since I'm in a closet recording and then I'm in a wall. Um, but no, I, I love the moments where Annabelle like actually gets to kind of stop being the control freak that's trying to make everything keep going and just like express her anger. Um, every time that happens, anybody who listens to me is like, that is not you. Because <laughs> I'm also, much like Annabelle, um, not a very angry person. So when I get to go in the closet and scream and talk about people's toupees and stuff, it's just so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think my favorite performance of Annabelle is the short um, Fresh Takes with Annabelle Crow. Because of your performance, you just lose it, and it's fantastic. It was so fun to just, yeah, just scream out all the anger that I didn't have. That <laughs> you didn't have. And I didn't have, like, just to pretend to be angry. It's it's a blast. You find something arbitrary in your life to be angry at, to really tap into that rage. <laughs> Couldn't open the jar. And I think that moment of creating that short was especially powerful for me because I was like, finally, I'm not crying. (laughs) Because I was in the wall so long and, you know, the sniffly voice and being crying, I was like, ah, I can do something fun. (laughs) (laughs) Annabelle did send a lot of season one being very upset. But in my defense and Gemma's defense, her house was overrun. It made absolute sense. It made absolute sense. I'm so glad I was not, you know, so far, no spoilers, have not been in any walls yet. I don't think it's spoiler. We're yes. not putting the animal back in the walls. Don't, don't <laughs> say that for sure. You don't know that. <laughs> yeah, we, did, we did a rewrite of episode seven. It's fine. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll do it if I get to wear the jacket. <laughs> <gasps> no, that's Bridget's now. And kind of glorious, too. But mostly Bridget's. How dare you ask to wear the jacket? <laughs> so protective of the jacket. I am. That's all I have. <laughs> um, you guys kind of mentioned a little bit on how you record and how you have to trust the other person in the process. Can you go into a little bit more detail on how you go about recording your lines? Because there is no one else to play off of. Like, you're stuck in your closet. So mm -hmm. how how do you tap into that and just trust that the interaction is going to be pretty organic there? Because to me, that is kind of like what Dan said, a miracle in that it comes together. Um, I know for me and in interacting with the girls, it helps a lot that, you know, just like the show started, we have a chat. And so we um, we talk all the time and we talk about our characters. And so I, I know when it comes to my interaction with the with the with the other girls that um, I kind of know what they're going to react like and, and just knowing them that helps. But then you also have to kind of try it a few different ways <laughs> and, and add that variety in there and then trust Sarah and Christina to um, choose which one they think works best. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty much the same process. It's um, you have your script and you're sitting there. Sometimes if I'm not sure how I want a line to sound, I just keep saying it over mm -hmm. and over and over in as many different ways as I can think to say it. Um, and there's some moments I'm sitting there in the closet and I'll just be looking at the line going, I wrote the damn thing. I should know how to say it. Um, but it does take, there's a few that I've I've just gotten stuck on and re-listening to the audio as I edit. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I, I think it's tough too. And if you listen back to the, the very first episode from season one that we did, I think by necessity, that was going to be the roughest one that we ever did. Um, I know in, in other productions I've been in, it's, you know, it's, especially on the No Sleep podcast, it's better as we go along just because I know the people so well over the course of so many years that we've done the show where um, I think coming into Calling Darkness, it made things a little bit more comfortable for me because I've worked with Graham before, you know, several times because he and I have done a million stories together on No Sleep. Um, I worked with David Cummings, of course, and, you know, I, I've known a lot of the cast and crew for a while, but it, it takes a bit like, you know, we're bouncing off of Owen, bouncing off of, uh, you know, all of the, the audio drama queens. Um, <laughs> it's that relationship wasn't there at the start. Um, mm -hmm. So like Des was saying, it's by necessity, you have to submit each line three, four different ways and different affects and different moods because you don't necessarily know other people's quirks at that point. So you do have to kind of leave your fate in the producer's hands a little bit where you have to say, look, here are the four ways that I could possibly say this line, um, depending on how, you know, everyone else is going to do it. Make a judgment call and put this thing together and make it flow as best as you see fit. And over time, those takes become a little more succinct. Um, but at the beginning, it's definitely, you know, super rough and kind of a guessing game, to be honest. Yeah, if you listen to the first couple episodes of Calling Darkness season one, especially because, um, like I said, the main six girls were very new. Um, it was my first voice acting role ever. And um, so I think we were still learning the characters themselves, in addition to learning what everyone else was doing with their characters, in addition to learning how you wanted to enunciate, how you wanted your character, what their quirks were going to be. 
<clears throat> what their mannerisms were going to be. Um, unfortunately, Bridget is probably the most annoying person I could have possibly come up with for myself. <laughs> I don't think any of us are above uh, voice recording and sending it to Sarah and going, is this what you were thinking? No, I've, I think I've gotten that from, from almost everyone in, in the past. Like, is this how you wanted me to say this? Have you ever had to, like, get that feed? Have you ever had people submit, I should say, and then you go, none of this is working. We have to go back and redo it. Have that Has that ever happened? <laughs> I was going to say, oh. yeah, do you want to take that one? Um, so um, my process um, is a bit interesting in the sense that I have a really hard time listening to audio and picking out um, subtleties and background sounds and stuff like that. Um, I have ADHD. I can hear everything. And the more quiet the room is, the more I can hear my blood <laughs> pumping through my body. And so I don't necessarily notice whenever I turn in uh, my audio, some things that people with normal ears um, hear. And so I've actually recorded season two twice, the entirety of season two. <laughs> twice because of that problem so we we started um completely from scratch about was it a week before episode one came out <laughs> about that yeah wow yeah oh. so yeah i listen i can't hear i i am i hear buzzing that's just my existence i i don't know if it's in the microphone or the headphones or that's just life like i i spend most of my days with earplugs in because i hear too much <laughs> so i i definitely need that second ear and um luckily sarah is patient enough to um <laughs> like just here you go. And, you know, we, we had to sit down and kind of listen through my audio quite a few times. And I sent her, I think we got up to like seven different drafts before we finally got it. Like, okay, I think you can record now. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. And Chris is very yeah. helpful. She, she provides feedback as well. She'll send me <clears throat> notes uh, as, as she's producing. And this season we have Alexa Strope on board as well. And she's actually editing the dialogue audio. So they work together and when something comes up, um, she'll let Chris know, and then Chris comes to me. And thankfully, everyone on the cast is, you know, wonderful to work with. And anytime I've had to be like, hey, I'm sorry, can you please redo this? Because I always feel so bad having to ask someone to redo something. Um, they're always like, oh, yeah, no problem. Um, so, yeah, it's really, it's it's very much a team effort because we have an ensemble cast of, I want to say 12. Um, I think 12 or 13 people. So it's a it's a big production, um, and at least in my opinion, it's a big production. When when you're putting all the parts together, it feels big. Um, but everyone is wonderful to work with, and I a lot of that is why the show has worked at all, because everyone is so willing to jump in. The other day, we had to um, we had to redo credits for one of the episodes, and so <laughs> as it was being produced, and um, so I, I put on an emergency call and right away I had, you know, three or four people going, I can do it. I can do it. So that's why Calling Darkness is successful, because the team behind it is really passionate and they really believe in in uh, the show and what we're doing. Except Dan. I like that you're sort of like squinting <laughs> at him very suspiciously. <laughs> like, what's he going to say? Is it going to be the jacket again? What's happening? Sometimes I find it best not to say anything at all. And she knows exactly what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's funny because for all the ragging on we are doing of each other, Dan has and I have actually started working really close um, because of the music on Calling Darkness, which has grown into other things around Calling Darkness. Um, mm. Mm. Was that mm. a tease? Maybe. Mm. 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 More of those jokes that get made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the jacket yeah. is not a joke, Des. <laughs> it actually is another joke we're accidentally on purpose. Possibly, maybe, perhaps taking too far. <laughs> Only time. I, I I don't think we're taking it too far. Listen, <laughs> it, it, sometimes <laughs> when when you spitball ideas, uh, the snowball goes down the mountain and it picks up more snow and it becomes a big honking boulder of snow. And um, re- recently, and Sarah, I'm being super coy when I say this. Uh, <laughs> one of those giant uh, boulders of snow picked up Graham and we just started talking about stuff about what we may or may not be able to do or sing and you know super vague there yeah yep you know it, it might not be calling it could be anything it could be anything we've have always it? wanted to make a revival of Aladdin which I've been have pushing we? on the well I have um, but I, I was not aware. Throw that out here. It was a royal we statement. Yeah, it was, it was a little we. It's a community that we referred to. You know, we have always wanted to do that, and that means me. Um, yeah. So you know, things happen, and whether it gets made or not, it will. Who knows? But I think it could be potentially exciting, whatever it is. Possibly. I mean, I might have written something. Why did I say that so last time? I might have written. <laughs> Very regal of you. I may have written something in that same vein, not for Graham and Dan, but for others. Oh. I sent it to you. I'm I'm trying to play dumb, Sarah, for God's sake. Why? We've already admitted that we're working on it together. I've admitted nothing and you know that. <laughs> this is my life. This is, okay, so here's the funny part about this, though, right? Is that she hates me with a fiery passion and yet i'm the one that she continues to work with on a close daily basis for what reason i don't know because as you can tell by the first oh i don't know half hour here i'm a gigantic pain in the ass (laughs) so i don't know why you continue to do this to yourself it's like you you love just emotionally beating yourself down i i I don't know maybe you maybe you like jackets secretly do you do you like outerwear no (laughs) I live in Florida. We don't do outerwear. I don't, you know, I don't know what it is. Like your recurring thing is, I live in Florida. We don't do outerwear. Last time I was in Florida, <laughs> it was really cold, and I wished I had outerwear. Right? Maybe doesn't like matter. Are you sure you were in Florida? <laughs> oh, I was very in Florida, yes. <laughs> it was just one of those yeah. freak occurrences. Yeah, we get cold like three times a year. You, you met even our three days. You made the poor girl from Montreal shiver. She was so cold. She was so disappointed <laughs> in Florida. It was the humidity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Elle, how are you doing? <laughs> I was just going to say the only time I've been to Florida, we caught a hurricane. And basically everyone was like running inside. And we, my family were just like, oh, it's raining like it does back home. This is fine. Let's go to Disney. <laughs> Oh, you must have caught a cat one. 
It must, yeah, a small one. <laughs> yeah. But Dad said, I was only four slash five, so my memory isn't that clear. But my dad says that, like, everyone, we went to the parks and they were all absolutely dead, but everything's still running. Yeah, one thing you got to remember about that is the parks are all the tourists. You go to any other part of Florida and anyone's like, it's less than a cat three, maybe four lately. Everyone's like, whatever. I may put shutters on the window. I may get some extra water. We may die. <clears throat> yeah, nobody cares about hurricanes. We probably should. I, like, we may die. That sounds like what happened to Naples last year. With, like, all the flooding and stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> that, was, that was really bad. But this is getting a little off track. <laughs> but you will have to get out of the way if you come visit. Yeah. I do own one jacket. And I bought oh. it specifically to go to Northern Ireland and Scotland many years ago. That has been required that. <laughs> that is my singular jacket. Maybe that's the jacket I've been writing about this whole time. What um, kind of a jacket is that? Big and puffy. Mm. Any, <laughs> uh, any telepathy in that jacket? Not that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. She hasn't worn it enough to know. I, I, yeah, I only wore it like once. I think the entire time I was in, in the UK. So listen, the next time you put it on, if you start hearing my voice in your head, then you'll know. <laughs> oh, okay, no. so when you when when you learn that I've shoved my head through a wall, you'll know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that sounds fair. The jacket is taken on sentience. <laughs> Dan's sentience, kind of has. Kind of has. <laughs> Honestly, this jacket, I still, to this day, and I've said this before in this very call, I do not, and I do not think I will ever understand why, out of everything in this show, that has become the thing. You know what I find actually funny about it, though, is that, like, (laughs) when we're talking about season one of this show, right, and we're talking about, like, the birth of the jacket, Kate Siegel starred in that show. I know! That's absurd. <laughs> it really is. Like, it Kate still blows Siegel my mind starred in day. a show about the jacket. Oh, and she was fantastic. She was wonderful. <laughs> Incredible talent. Yeah, wonder. she was fantastic. Um, every line on point. And somehow, before Kate friggin' Siegel gets mentioned... The jacket. My husband knows one character from this show. And it's it not the a narrator. Joke. No, he knows one character from this show. Not Bridget, the one I play. Not the narrator, played by the Kate Siegel. It's not even Phineas. Nope. It's the jacket. Bigger than all of us. That is the only character he knows from Calling Dark. Probably because he has heard me say, that fucking jacket. More times than I can count. If we ever make merch, we need to make t-shirts that say, I wish this was a jacket um, on it. If we ever make merch, sir. If we ever sir. make more merch, lady. Okay. <laughs> Talk to our artist. Which I actually want to. What would you like this shirt to say? I wish this shirt was a jacket. Okay, I got it. <laughs> no. Dude, I'm you know people are going to eat that up. That'll sell like hotcakes. <laughs> I'm gonna buy I'll six buy myself. Especially oh, if you no. add like a like a detail that makes it look like it's trying to be a jacket, like one oh, of those tuxedo God. shirts, but oh. it's not. Yes, oh, no. yes. 
money in the bank. <laughs> the jacket is truly the star. Thanks, Jess. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Also, if you could turn the episode art for episode one into merch, that'd be great because I want that on a shirt. What was episode one? Like, look like the hands around the book. Oh, yes. 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 I want that for me. (laughs) Purely a selfish request. I mean, that's pretty much what all of Calling Darkness has been. What do Mm -hmm. I want? What do I want these characters (laughs) to be doing? (laughs) Except the jacket. That was the one thing I wanted no part of. Mm. <laughs> but everything else like, has been what makes me happy. It's just like Amy's hat. That's why it's six. I, I don't know. Seriously, if I could <laughs> go back in time and figure out and pinpoint what brought it into the Calling Darkness fan base zeitgeist, I, I just need to know. If anybody yeah, knows, I think it was. It was all me. But how? How did <laughs> I'm, you? Why? I'm the what made you? You need to explain to me right now, here in front of God and these people. What made you <laughs> obsessed with the jacket? What made me obsessed with the jacket? That's a great question. Um, I think I saw like one or two people tweet about it when it came out. Um, after that episode, it's like, oh my God, Finn's jacket. That's hilarious. And I'm like. <laughs> Oh, oh God, we need to clamp onto that. And so I just got <laughs> ran with it. <laughs> and that's really how it got started. It was just like a couple of like innocuous tweets mm-hmm. um, that I just clamped onto because, you know, why not ruin your life? Yeah, why and, not? That's, and that's how we got here. And it's funny, too. It's like that's the thing that I get the most social feedback on. It's like it's not necessarily the No Sleep podcast, which is you know like i've been on for seven years or whatever it is at this point it's not the death of john uh, dr john parker the show that i wrote no it's the jacket that's the thing i get the most tweets about because yeah, like um, i said icon it's just when it's people Hollywood. respond to tweets about calling darkness is it that was a great episode i loved the writing or when they tweet me specifically great job on that episode you know you did such a fun thing with this character no it's how can I make this comment about the jacket? Mm-hmm. That's what every comment I get <laughs> about Calling Darkness is, basically. Mm-hmm. After my live tweeted me listening to the last episode and trying not to cry in work. You live tweeted, oh, the last episode of, of season one? Um, season one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, that was probably the only tweet. That was how we, that was how we started talking. 
It was. Because I had already hired you as as an editor for my books at that point. And then you were such a massive Calling Darkness fan that I saw your your uh your stream of tweets all about the final episode. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Just me in the corner of the office, like sitting there like <laughs> just sobbing. <clears throat> Don't worry about me, guys. It's just a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see you doing that. I definitely can pick up. It's just Finn's general reaction to Monk. Everything Montgomery in the oh end of season. That was the toughest breakup of my life. Um. <laughs> it's so. <laughs> it's, you know. It's like, all right. Very good. I was going to say, like, you know, obviously it's sad for Gloria and stuff, you know, it's, it's a guy she really likes, but then Finn's reaction is more powerful. <laughs> I mean, you know, he was heartbroken, both for the loss of his friend and his best outerwear. It's, you know, it's, I I actually, I loved the writing for, you know, when Finn had that breakdown with Montgomery too, because that was the, that was the first time I actually got to show like actual emotion, I think in season one, the rest of it up to there was just like being, you know, ghost hunter fluff, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better term. Um but you I, were I our character her. actor for I, for a lot of season one. Yeah, I, you know, I was the the comedic strong guy in the corner. Um, who was on a we're twelve? We're all very year? impressed. Wow, <laughs> that was perfect timing. Yes, yes, yes. I apologize. <laughs> Surprisingly, I no longer live next to a freeway. Really, Crazy. you could have pulled me. <laughs> Yeah, I really love when we get to write characters that are able to explore more of who they are than just the... Because all the characters started out very intentionally as kind of one-dimensional. Um, and the idea throughout both season one and two has been, how are they growing from this? How are they changing? And I think Finn in particular is a great example because he does start out as comedic relief. And in season two, there's a lot more to him that we see. Um, I think we started to see it at the end of season, at the end of episode three, where he's sort of, okay, I gotta take charge now. I gotta do something. And then, how the hell do ha. I do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Finn, come on. Come on. <laughs> how? <laughs> you know, because he he he's like trying to grasp onto being serious. He's trying so hard to be an actual human being, and then he just falls back into being an absolute doofus, <laughs> which is just. Great. I love and it, Finn. And by the time we like get to the the end of episode eight, the, the second portion of episode eight, um, I think the overall arc of the story starts to reveal itself is, you know, how do we as people just resist the forces of of not so good? Um and and Montgomery, I think, is right in the center of that. Um, where you know, we have two forces, that little angel and devil on our shoulder all the time. And how do we resist the devil one so much so to to come back to being a normal person? Um, but anyway, I'm not going to spoil the end of the show. But. <laughs> <laughs> Better not. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think a lot of the characters in the show, we've seen um, some good growth from. I think the two that resisted the most are, are probably Gloria and Bridget, which is why they ended up in limbo. Um, whereas everyone else gets to continue on 
uh, in various ways. Um, even Montgomery had a change at the end of season one where he actually confesses his own sins and, and comes to terms with the fact that he's been a liar this whole time. Um, and so I think it's a lot of fun writing uh, dynamic characters who aren't stagnant, who may come across originally as being very one note, single facet. And then the more you get to know them, the more time you spend with them, the more you see, okay, um, Cassie isn't just all giggles and puns and, and good times. And there's more to Victoria's character, um, Mariella, than just being angry and being a snarky bitch all the time. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun to write all of them. I do have some that I prefer more than others, just because I like those character um, tropes more than other certain character tropes. But they're all fun. There's There's something good to be said about all of them and writing all of them. Yeah, you can definitely pick up on that sort of character progression as well, listening to it. And everyone does such an amazing job of conveying exactly who these characters are or when you need to know that. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited that Aaron Lillis uh, got to come back this season as someone other than Mrs. Morwood, the most one-note character that we had because she dies in episode one, so we never got to learn who she was <laughs> more as a person. <clears throat> Um, we just get to see the undead version. And I think that Erin is such a fantastic actress. So to have her come back as someone else um, in this season and allow her to display more of her talent um, was really was a really great opportunity for the show. Um, and we also have uh, Bonnie as Eve on the show now. And she is just so fun. I love what she did with the character. When I wrote Eve, I had no idea she was going to end up Scottish. And then I heard, um, I heard Bonnie's audition. I went, nope, that's her. That is that is the voice. And anyone who says otherwise, you're wrong. I'm the writer. <laughs> you're accepting it. Do you ever um, get input from the voice actors that you then incorporate into your writing for the scripts later on? Besides the jacket, we're ignoring no, the jacket. They're all below me. I'm the writer. <laughs> 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 no, if I if I have um, if I'm not sure what direction to take a character, I will. Um, like Des said, we have a group chat, so um, during the script writing process, I'll send them the script, each script um, while it's being written, and going, okay, what do you guys think? Is this a good direction uh, for these guys to go? Um, if uh, if I'm not sure if someone's going to be comfortable saying certain things. Um, I will go to them and be like, hey, is this okay if your character does this? Are you comfortable with your character doing this? Um, yeah, and I like to think that I'm pretty open-minded, except when it comes to certain pieces of clothing. Mm. <laughs> and and writing can be a very isolating process. So to have a team that's as passionate about a project as you are that you can go to and say, hey, I'm not really 100% sure on this. Can you can you let me know what you think is really helpful. Um, so, yeah, uh, writing is, is a lot of fun, but it's even more fun when you have a team of people you're comfortable enough to go to and say, hey, what do you think? What is your what is your feedback? How do you feel about your character going in this direction? It's funny that you mentioned that writing is an isolating thing. I was at a wedding a few weeks ago during my crazy month of travel. <laughs> and when one of the brides was very drunk she mentioned at work that the writer that she sits next to, I can't say where she works um, because she would hate me for that. 
but the writer actually has a sign on his um on his computer and it says writer is easily startled <laughs> and she has seen him twice in five years that wow. is how easily startled this man is so like isolation <laughs> on that end very very isolating and this is someone who has written for ips that i'm sure everyone on this call has heard of and, <laughs> and it's like wow so hearing that you take that collaboration is really nice because i feel like that benefits the end product as a whole mm -hmm. it really does um for season two in particular for season one i obviously had Gemma amore as my co-writer um she was unable to come back for season two uh, due to other obligations but we were lucky enough to have her come back as gloria so I went from having this fantastic partner who I bounced ideas off of. It was very much a collaborative effort, even though we each wrote individual episodes, except for the last one, to being like, okay, I said I wanted to do this, and now I have to. How? <laughs> I had a Finn moment um, <laughs> where I'm sitting there going, I don't know if I can do this. So having a team that I could I could go to and say, guys, look at this. Tell me if it if it makes sense if we can actually work with this. Um, really is why we have a season two. Um, and yeah, it's actually funny. Uh, we had a three year hiatus between seasons one and season two, where there was nothing calling darkness related happening at all. Uh, you know, with COVID and life happening. It just wasn't a good time at any point. And then once it became a viable thing to do again, I was really worried that I was going to go back to these people who, you know, hadn't talked to you about the show in three years at that point and say, hey, we're back. <laughs> you want to come? And luckily everyone was like, oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm on board. <laughs> and it was super enthusiastic. Um, and yeah, it's, it was really great to, to have everybody come back and reprise their roles um and i think you can really hear the difference in season one and season two just how much everyone has grown in that time um because the performances in season one are great don't get me wrong but i'm hearing stuff in season two specifically in this last episode where it's just like are these the same people is this the same cast because like they're just bouncing off each other so well and it feels like they're in the same room and you got that a lot in season one um but it's amped up. And like Dan was saying earlier, when you have that comfort level with people, when you've gotten to know them, um, you can hear it in the audio. And I just, I love it, especially in the last episode where you had that, um, the three-way call basically between Limbo, um, Rose and Eve and Finn, just the way everyone was bouncing off each other and, and talking over each other and talking to each other. Um, it really felt cohesive. And that was the moment for me, I think, that really showed what Calling Darkness can be at its best. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that as we progress. I think part of the reason why everyone hopped back in for season two, and again, I don't like complimenting you in public, but I will do it again. Um, <clears throat> I know she almost just threw up in her mouth. Mm -hmm. um, it, the show's really fun to do. Um, and the writing makes it that way. It's such an enjoyable show to be a part of um not every show is like that some shows are slogs to get through and you're kind of iffy about the writing and it's like <laughs> fine i'll get through this show is not that this is actually a pleasant experience um 
And it's, I mean, you know, for me, you know, being in, you know, the horror community, like 95% of the roles I do are like serious horror roles because no sleep is like the vast majority of what I do. But this is such like a breath of fresh air in terms of just like light comic relief in terms of, you know, just a character like Finn. It's just, uh, it's like the best part of me sitting down and actually getting to be like, (laughs) okay, I actually get to have fun with this and not have to be like super serious and just be a little lighthearted and really just kind of let loose a little bit. And it's just, it's, it's a very enjoyable show to be a part of. And I think that has come out in the production. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it really has. Um, and everyone I hope has a good time with their characters. I really have, a, I have a lot of fun writing Calling Darkness um, because the characters are fun. The situations they find themselves in are fun. And even though there's horror I think it's a fun exploration of what horror can be beyond mm. just trying to scare you. It can show that, yes, you can you can have actual fear and there be serious moments and there be everything that's part of traditional horror. But then you can also have, you know, a jacket. That people <laughs> <lack on. laughs> I mean, it's two yeah. totally opposite ends of the spectrum, but. I think that's part of what makes the show so fun I think for everyone involved. I hope I'm putting words in people's mouth now, um, but the, everyone seems to have fun. And I think that's because it's an exploration of characters. It's an exploration of horror. It's an exploration of comedy. Um, and yeah, really at the end of the day, like I said, when I, when I write Calling Darkness, I'm writing it specifically for me. I want it to be fun for me because I'm very selfish as a writer. And if I'm not enjoying it, I don't expect anyone else to be enjoying it either. So I'm only going to write stuff that I think is fun and funny. Um, and I'm glad to hear that at least one person <laughs> is having a good time. <laughs> so you all got, you all said that I enjoy it and I don't know. <laughs> it's terrible. It's a horrible experience. I don't know why. This I'm is here. why you were in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is absolutely a blast. Um, even episode from episode, if you were to sit down and just kind of like read through one episode and uh, in, in recording, it's never just one thing. Um, every episode experiences literally like the entire gambit of emotions that you possibly can. Um, one moment I'm, you know, screaming bloody murder and in a wall and the next second we're joking about a vibrator (laughs) or a jacket (laughs) or um and I think that what makes that fun is not just that it's hilarious but like that's more real to me than absolute terror um I know I don't know it's just natural for a lot of people to uh find the comedy and horror comedy and tragedy go together quite well um And it makes it a little bit more digestible. (laughs) Um, So I know a lot of people um, in my family and stuff that definitely would not listen to the No Sleep podcast or something more seriously horror related. Um, It's just not their thing. Um, You know, they will take the time to listen to Call in Darkness because they know that it their palate isn't going to be completely filled with terror. They're going to be able to laugh and and digest it because it's it's slightly more um, balanced in that way. And I, I think that's a great way to say it too. And you know, a, lo- a lot of times when you you talk about horror, whether it's you know fiction, nonfiction, whatever, it it's different for everybody. Um, 
it, you know, everything touches somebody differently. Everything, you know, affects somebody deeply one way and, you know, another person isn't affected by it at all. And so when, you know, we talk about the difference in, you know, like traditional horror, like no sleep, which will always, you know, frankly be my home. That's always going to be my bread and butter. But when we bring a bit of levity into it, we're, so it's not so much of a, you know, dramatic piece, um, it does attract a different audience. And and in some ways it does attract a more generalized audience because, you know, the horror community is an incredible community, but it's also a, a niche audience. Um, and so when we add that bit of, of comedy into it, you start to grab a more generalized group. And I think that's one of the, you know, the, the real blessings of writing like this is that it's, it's got that general appeal, um, that you can kind of jump into and not have to like, think so hard about it. It's just like, you know, lighter and you can just sit back and enjoy. It's funny to me that both of you have mentioned to other people being drawn to this show because my parents who are super supportive of everything I write, they've listened to if not everything I've written for the No Sleep podcast, most things I've written for the No Sleep podcast, and not just because I forced them to by sitting down in the room and playing it <laughs> on my phone. Um, they refuse to listen to Calling Darkness. Huh. Really? They will not. Mm-hmm. They will not listen to Calling Darkness. Um, they look at me and they go, Sarah, we love you, but that voice you use is way too annoying. We just can't do it. <laughs> so yeah, never listen to an episode. Because Bridget's voice drives them away. That's funny. <laughs> I actually just did one of your stories, what, last week, two weeks yes. ago? Last, last the wake of her. The wake of her, yes. And you did a fantastic job. That was so good. Thank you. It was a wonderful story. Thank you. And now we're never oh, going to talk like that again. Yeah, never. I was about to say, that was a one-off <laughs> compliment happening just in real time. On this recording. We're not like this when we text. It's no. not this complimentary at all. We're doing this because we're in public. Yes. But like, there's a lot of swearing that goes on, middle finger pictures. It's just a lot of very nasty stuff. I mean, I just ghost you for months at a time because I just can't stand you. Well, I didn't want to say this out loud, but the reason it took so long for Calling Darkness to come back was specifically because of Dan. Yeah. Um, I wasn't true. sure I would be able to work with him again. And then when I wanted to, he wasn't sure he wanted to come back. And it was a whole thing. Well, the money I was demanding, I thought was reasonable, and you were being a total, you know, tightwad about the whole thing. So sixty thousand per episode is still a little out of my budget, but I'm making it work. Thank you. Finally. <laughs> I don't know why I, I just had an image of you like, you you know that Boston Dunkin' Donuts sketch. I just had a Which vision. Which one? <laughs> no, specifically the one where that it was like Dunkin the commercial Donuts for. Sketch. For the, um, it was like the commercial for the holidays. I forget who what the actor's name was in it. Um, but he throws the coffee at the guy's car and it explodes and he says to go back to Starbucks. So that was a sketch on SNL with Casey yes. Affleck. That was his name, yes. Yeah. For some reason, ben I just Affleck's had a vision. Brother. Yes, I had a vision of you being Casey Affleck throwing the coffee at Sarah's car. Okay, so here, <clears throat> here's the deal with that if we're going to get into Boston crap for a sec. So okay. when I talk on, like, oh. Skype calls like this, I am purposefully hiding my accent. When I am Finn on Calling Darkness, you cannot tell I am from Boston. In reality, I live about 10 minutes away from Southie where they filmed that <laughs> commercial and the type of guy that Casey Affleck is trying to be. Um, that guy is everybody in South Boston. Um, we will throw a hot coffee at you 
And then we will stand outside of Dunkin' Donuts in the parking lot, drinking a large hot every single morning. In the parking lot. Yeah. In the parking lot. <laughs> we, I, I'll break the accent out. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> my mother the, is from Boston, honey. I've heard it my whole life. Oh, uh, <clears throat> your mother's not from around here, okay? I don't know what her face is. But <laughs> <clears throat> there is a line item in my family budget for coffee. And there is like mortgage, car, donkeys. Okay. It is a thing. <laughs> All of us up here love Dunkin' Donuts. A good friend of mine works for, for Dunkin' Corporate. I try to get free stuff out of her all the time. It's just part of the culture in which we are interwoven. Okay. Um, so the reason you pictured that uh, SNL sketch in your head is because not because it was a parody of Boston. It's because it was like stupidly accurate. Um, every yes. one of us has chucked a hot coffee at a <laughs> Honda Accord at some point in our lives because they deserve it. So, yeah. Okay. There we go. I'm done with Boston now. You're done with Boston. Now. I want yeah. to go to Boston. I'm all fired up now. <laughs> I like I like Boston a lot. So Let's go socks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Comes Just get a little fired up there. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get myself back in order now. Get rid of that <laughs> do you need a Duncan? I do need a, a it's see okay, here's the other thing though. Yeah. Now now that my accent is like fully coming up. Um right. whether it's April sixteenth or it's December first, I actually don't know a lot of people who go get a hot coffee from Dunks. Okay. We drink iced coffee twelve months out of the year. And sometimes you know, in in like January here it can get like, you know, fifteen below zero. It's gd freezing outside and if you don't go and get a nice coffee from dunks we actually judge you on the way out the door um if you have a hot coffee in your hands you look like a complete loser okay <laughs> like Anything you look like that. a weakling okay you march right back into dunks you get yourself a large ice with cream with two sugars <laughs> okay it's okay i'm done i'm done okay back to calling darkness i got yelled at by my friend for ordering a hot coffee in hawaii and I was like, well, it's on the menu, and I really want a hot coffee, so let no, me have a hot coffee. No, no, no. you got to drink an ice. Come on now. But she got an ice thing, and then they watered it down too much. And I was like, well, that's your fault. I got a hot coffee, and now I can pour it over the ice and dilute it how I want. I mean, where, where what kind of place was the coffee from, though? Uh, literally, it was like a Starbucks on the um, Hawaii freeway. Well, of because course it was a Starbucks. I mean, come on. They didn't have, Starbucks. they had a drive-thru. We wanted a drive-thru. I didn't even, actually, did I even see a Dunkin' down there? I don't know. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I, so if you go to a Dunkin' that's not in New England, though, it's not like the real thing. 
No, they're I've burnt been to, coffee. It's gross. Yeah, I've been to them in like Georgia and Florida, and like it's not the same thing. You yeah, gotta I was go gonna to mention one that, here. like, you're talking about Dunkin' like it's some great thing, but down here, I get the iced coffee no, too. Yeah. And it's just like, no, it's not good. It's just granulated three, sugar. Yeah. There are three Dunkin' in Honolulu. That's it. Yeah, you get 100% sugar. If it's not Boston, then you because you're getting like if you get dunks in Orlando, it's like you're getting it made by someone who lives in Orlando. It's like you got to get the worst kind of person to be, obviously. Yeah, I know. Um, Terrible. Um, You got to get coffee made by somebody who lives in like Dorchester. You know, that's that's how you know that's like a real good Boston coffee. They like dump cream into that thing. They use like an entire bucket of sugar. Like that's that's a good Boston coffee. Where it doesn't taste like coffee. It's so, sugar. Elle, this is what you wanted this to be about, right? Coffee? <laughs> oh, this is like I, my kind of coffee. I, would like to. I really hope that there is a coffee conversation in a future episode of Calling Darkness. Just somehow filtering it in there. Putting oh, it out there. That's actually funny because that would be very easy to work into season three. Oh, well, yeah. Then, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We can yes. do that. I, I, I know the coffee conversation. is going to get very upset. Although, and I don't think people know this, but Calling Darkness actually takes place in Massachusetts, set canonically in Massachusetts. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, well, the jacket's so popular. Feels if anyone's wondering, it is canonically set in Massachusetts. Although, mm. in a vague space in Massachusetts, we don't specify where. Annabelle Crow would never tell you where her actual house is located. I mean, <laughs> everybody knows now because it's burned down. I always figured it was like right outside of Salem, like up near that area. Yeah, you know? Yeah, when I was like, oh, coming... it's a ghost story. It's going to be near Salem, Massachusetts. You know? <laughs> when we were coming up with the show, we were like, where can we put this? That'll make sense. And we're like. Did you guys know they had witch trials in Salem, <laughs> Massachusetts? Have you guys heard? It's totally this totally tiny fact that most people outside of Boston wouldn't know. <laughs> it's like you read our chat. Have you guys seen Hocus Pocus? That was also in Salem, Massachusetts. That is still one of my favorite all-time movies. I'm not even going to pretend. <laughs> no, Hocus Pocus is great, but still. Have you ever met someone who doesn't like Hocus Pocus? No. I they have. Exist. It's, they exist. I have, and I do not know how to interact with them. The sequel was good too. The second one was really good. I have not seen the second one. It was. Really I thought fun. it was very good. But I need to see it. That was actually one of the few sequels that I wanted to see, and I just haven't because I don't have Disney Plus, and I refuse to get Disney Plus. Fair. Because I have like seven streaming services already. <laughs> There's a limit. They, they, eventually, you'll trade it out. They can't keep doing this to us. Don't you basically like live in Disney World? No. Yeah. You're like right no. there though. No. <laughs> really? I thought you There's were like in the Magic Kingdom. No, there no, isn't. Two hours away. Uh, I don't get specific. Away? I never get specific about. Are you I'm more than an hour away? How's that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm more than two hours. Really? Yeah. So you're near like Epcot then? <laughs> I actually live in the in the uh, Japanese pavilion in Epcot. So I Dude, I love the Japanese. Just pavilion so I have Epcot. access to all the to all the snacks. The Mexican pavilion's where it's at, though. You go in there, that little steakhouse they have in there. Mm -mm. I'm in Epcot in years. (laughs) I love Epcot. 
Yeah, no, I don't. There's more to Florida than than Disney, and I happen to live a good distance away from where Disney is, and I'm happy that that's the way it is. Because but, yeah, I don't but, care about Disney. I think you'll find most people who live in Florida don't care about Disney. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm gathering. <laughs> I'm sure you get over it pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And there are me, me and you are the opposite ends of the Disney spectrum. Yes, we are. <laughs> I think I'm also more on um, Sarah's side of the Disney spectrum. Elle would live in Disney if they allowed. Oh, I absolutely. <laughs> I, I I mean I almost cried when we left Disney Paris on my thirtieth birthday because I was like I don't want to leave. Why make me leave? See that would be me if I ever get to New Zealand and get to go to uh, Hobbiton. Ah yes, mm. that would that would be where you have to like dig through every Hobbit hole to find where I'm hiding because I you don't would just leave. move right in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I want to go fresh- live in a hole in the ground in New Zealand. You'd be like, what happened to Calling Darkness? Well, um, Sarah's missing. They have internet connection <laughs> in New Zealand. Mm-mm, you're just going to be in the hole. <laughs> but it's not a nasty, dirty hole. It's a hobbit hole. <laughs> That's the first line of The Hobbit, in case you aren't cultured like me. <laughs> if your character could live anywhere in the world, where would they live? Salem, Massachusetts. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Obviously Hollywood. Um, I believe Annabelle has already um, lives in her dream home. She's now just going to have to rebuild it. <laughs> Where would yeah. Finn live? Yeah. Finn would live in Salem. He's a ghost hunter. True. It's true. You know? Yeah, Anywhere in the world. But, but would Finn... Rest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a... Well, you know, from, from Bridget's perspective, Hollywood is where she wants to be. Yeah. She wants to be making movies. Uh, and for Finn... Finn is, like, uh, stays close to home, boy. Stays yes. close to home, gets to hunt ghosts. It's it's the best, you know? That's what he wants. Yeah. He could be a, a real estate agent where they have to disclose if a house has, um, what do they call it? Uh, we were just talking about this the other day. If it's been psychologically impacted. There you go. Oh. I know in Connecticut. Impacted. No, in Connecticut, where I'm from, you have to disclose if your house is psychologically impacted. Really? Yes. Because of huh. haunt in Connecticut. <laughs> I should make a movie about that. They should. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I thought it was the same in Massachusetts, too, where you had to disclose um, if your house That's had. That's interesting. It, it might be. Haunted. I don't know. Interesting. No, I think yeah. in pennsylvania it's like it has to be like within the last 10 years or something mm. Mm. so like anything outside of that it's like eh. they're more concerned about like crimes being reported like someone had a crime happen here they're like, that does make sense yeah we have old stuff but people are more like eh, maybe we don't want to have like find blood splatter somewhere you know just that would just really kill the mood would, would you have move to into a haunted house, house? After dealing with me. I would. No, I wouldn't do it inside. I'm not an idiot. We'd go to the Everglades <laughs> for a nice airboat ride. <laughs> I live in Texas. Nobody has to tell you anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, in Florida, you don't have to disclose anything. There's nothing old enough to be significantly impacted psychologically. I believe that. 
We just don't care about your psychological well-being. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <Darn>. same. <laughs> same. But I would buy a haunted house. I would. My partner would not like it, though. So I couldn't tell them. <laughs> You'd but have to I would sneak it in? House. I would have to what sneak about, it in. What about everyone else? Would you guys live in haunted houses? A hundred percent. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Although the more haunted, rich, the better. Rich would start doing stuff to convince me even more it's haunted. So I, I think on that scale, it probably wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I did <laughs> not long after um, my cat died. I was in the bathroom and the light had started flickering. So I jokingly went one for no, two for yes. Tupac, is that you? And it went, dun dun, flickered really fast. And I was just Tupac. like, no, no, run out. <laughs> The kitty was just saying hi. Possibly, and then she probably stopped because my reaction was shit, run away. (laughs) I don't know if I would want to live in a haunted house. I mean, the houses that like I've lived in have been built nineteen hundreds, nineteen twenties, so if they were gonna be haunted, they would be. My house was built in 2018. <laughs> it doesn't mean it can't be haunted. <laughs> mm, so far, haven't noticed anything. See, when you have a cat, though, it's very easy yeah. to be haunted because you're just pissing off the ghost because you're like, oh, something fell over. It's the cat. The door's opening on its own. It's the cat. <laughs> and the ghost sitting there going, you mother. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I could be haunted, uh, but I have a cat. I have four yes. of them, so yeah, I definitely would never notice. So you're you have four open. cats? <laughs> Holy crap. Well, I have one cat, two dogs, and a guinea pig. Italian I five pig. guinea pigs. We don't say that. It's Italian pig. She's an Italian pig? Okay. We're sensitive <laughs> to that word. <laughs> we Italians. You Italians, yes. <laughs> Just like we Brits know how to make our tea. <laughs> so is there any more actual questions or are you just going to keep letting us I mean I'm fine with letting you guys I was just about to, I was just about to say uh, were there any like projects you've got you're working on at the moment or upcoming that you wanted to mention oh so coy like you don't know <laughs> Elden, I know uh, everything you're doing yes. <laughs> and I get really excited about everything El just actually beta read um the sequel to the festering ones that I'm working on that I'm going to be publishing with um, Cemetery Gates Media at some point in the future. Um, Dan and I are working on uh, something, a couple somethings. Well, I guess you a know Colin Darkness Season 3. Oh, and then the other thing. And then the other thing, yeah. Um, and then I have you know a couple other books that I'm working on one at a time. But yeah, right now my focus is hopefully going to be The Forgotten Ones and Calling Darkness Season 3. The other thing. <laughs> and the other thing. <laughs> Who knows yeah. what the other thing could be? It's a mystery. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, what are you working on, Dan? What am I working on? Um, well, I released, let's see, a musical album last fall. So I'm working on uh, a follow-up acoustic EP for release this summer. 
um i'm gonna be doing what's the name of your album uh the album that i released last fall was called with all that i know now um which is a lovely fusion of of blues and folk and um you know as i've heard it's a solid eight out of ten so that's you know (laughs) that's great um but yeah i'm doing an acoustic ep of five tracks after that i recently also uh, released the featured track from calling darkness season two entitled the ocean floor which was my attempt to write a james bond song um which i thought came out I pretty think, good i think you nailed it i think Thank you. it really captured that um that yeah, air like that you were going for me and adele were like right here yeah exactly. you know um <laughs> <laughs> Um, what else am I working on? I'm gonna be doing some live musical performances in Massachusetts and New England this summer. So if anyone lives around the area and wants to catch me at a brewery, I'll be putting up a schedule on my website. Um, and that's it. That's what I'm doing. And of course, you can catch me most weeks on the new Sleep Podcast. And if you want to listen to one of his best songs, it's Herman the Great. Oh, thank you. You know what's so funny about that is, and I, I told you this too. I actually didn't realize this i live about 100 miles away from his gravesite. Mm-hmm. did not know about that at all so <laughs> i'm gonna take a little field trip down to brooklyn one of these days and go check that out but uh but yeah that'll be on the acoustic album as well and may maybe also calling be darkness? featured in season two of calling darkness who knows maybe that's not right <laughs> we're really bad at this yeah we suck at keeping <laughs> secrets <laughs> What is the secret? I really do. I get so excited about stuff, and I'm like, I need to tell (laughs) everybody right now. So that you guys can excited. Don't say anything out loud. We're writing a musical. What? 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 (laughs) (laughs) Don't say it. You already said it. Don't say it. It'll be just a musical of insulting one another back and forth. (laughs) There will be nothing else. Don't give me another awesome idea. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> no, I went. I went. I love Dan. that. He was supposed to be. Dan was supposed to be the grounding figure because I'd already, I'd already joked to the girls <laughs> and said, "Wouldn't it be funny if?" And they all mm-hmm. went, "Uh huh." And I said, "No." <laughs> so I went to Dan and I'm like, "Dan, just picture this musical." And he was supposed to go, "You're an idiot. Stop texting me and lose my number." Instead, he went, "Yes." <laughs> so first of all, first of all, I told you to lose my number last year, okay? But you kept texting me. So But no, I mean, listen, if you I'm come to me person. to be the grounding force in your life, then that's a you issue, not me. You know what you I'm saying. No, I don't to. make the best decisions. That's how we're Clearly. all talking here. She's tried putting me in that role before and it's not gone well because every idea she puts to me, I'm like, yes, yes. I specifically did not go to you because I knew you would be like, yes, yes, yes. Sarah, do you have any grounding forces in your life or do we just all encourage the crazy? No, my husband is actually my grounding figure in my life. Um, He listens to every, he's never read a single one of my stories. He's never listened to Calling Darkness, but he listens to every idea. And if you were to ask him about any story I write, he can tell you about it in detail. Because he listens to all of my ideas um, and helps me work through. And he was the one when I went, I said, I'm thinking of doing a musical with Dan. He went, are you sure? (laughs) With Dan? He's like, the jacket guy? The jacket guy? The jacket guy. Dan, the jacket man. I don't know if I should feel great or awful about that. (laughs) 
stand the jacket, man. Uh, He's heard me say fuck the jacket so many times. I know. Are we allowed to swear on this thing? I know. I should ask, actually. We are? (laughs) Yes. Good. I'm known as the fucking jacket man. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Only in that one moment. (laughs) Because I specifically said (laughs) I'd be working with you. And he was like, the jacket guy. Yes, the jacket guy. I feel Uh equal parts great and just desperately horrible about that. (laughs) You brought this on yourself. I did. Thank you. You did. But he he was the only one who was like, think about this. You do this. You get excited. In in fairness, in fairness, if we may stay on this for a moment. Yeah. It's going to be great. And you know it's going to be great. It is. Like, we know that Graham has a wonderful voice. You know that I can sing. We know that you can write. Don't sell yourself short. Thank you. I mean, this it's actually going to be good. No, one thing I will say, I do need I feel like we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, we say musical. Right now it's more we're gonna write a couple songs. I've written the song. It's my first time doing lyrics. Um, and Dan is gonna handle everything else. Um, because I have no (laughs) musical talent whatsoever. (laughs) Don't you don't know that. You oh, could. yes, I do. I have oh, lived okay. with myself for 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard me sing. Um, so he's going to handle the musical aspect. But I did write lyrics um, for a song. And he's writing lyrics for a very fun song that I'm super excited about. Um, I don't know how, how much we want to give away right now. It, if you want the as bad I exclusive. Can, I can be general about it. It's um... Well, we've already said it's you and Graham. Yes, so that yes. Kind of... it's it's kind of like a, a buddy song, which I think will be the probably like the most featured song from whatever this ends up being, because uh, it's going to be the one I put the most time into. <laughs> so, gosh, dang it. If it's not the featured song, then what am I doing? Um... <laughs> Finn is the main <laughs> character. He is yeah. the one that should get the featured song. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, oh, look, and... you made you made Des leave. Oh, geez. <laughs> Like this idea sucks. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. you know it, it's it, the whole thing is conceptual at this point, as many right. budding ideas are. Um, it will you know it, it's not like we're writing a whole new story for this. It it is it here's a good example. Um, much like what the writers did with The Last of Us, adapting it for HBO Max, is much in the same vein of what we would potentially do here for Calling Darkness having it exist in parallel, but the same. Yeah, it's just like Carrie different... or Heathers or anything that's been adapted from yes. one medium into uh, musical theater. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, a different but similar telling of the tale. And if you're wondering adaptation. how Finn and Lialga end up with a buddy number, <laughs> mm. um, there is a scene in, it's not totally out of out of left field there's a scene in yes it is season one (laughs) where finn does become possessed Mm -hmm. and in the podcast as it exists we don't see what's going on in finn's head we just see the girl's reaction to lialga taking over finn's person Mm -hmm. so in this version we kind of put a pin in the girls freaking out and we get a little a little sidebar into What's going on inside? I think it's a lovely opportunity for us to expand on some aspects of the story that we we couldn't tell in season one because there was such a, a, a linear storyline there. 
And this gives the opportunity to let some other things breathe in a whimsical musical fashion, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> Getting very strong Evil Dead the musical vibes right now. A little bit. Yeah. Little. Yeah. yeah I is see there going to be a splatter zone? Um, there actually is not a whole lot of bloodshed in Calling Darkness. Yeah. That is They're disappointing. Really... Because that is the I highlight mean, of the Evil Dead musical. We can throw pineapples zone. at people. Pineapples work. Yes. Pineapple it would be a gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> you need a gimmick. But right now, it's very conceptual. Yes. Um, this may not ever happen. So yeah, it's it, not, you know. So it, might, could not be, it could not even be a spoiler. It's just something fun to look back at years from now and go, oh, remember when we were talking about right. doing right. that? Yeah, I mean, as and, long and as I, no one gets happen. concussed by having a pineapple throw, a whole pineapple. Uh, pineapple throw chunks? Yeah. Chunks you don't, of pineapple? Yeah, chunks yeah. of pineapple works. Just don't go a whole pineapple. Okay, so Pineapple Chunks is actually the name of the opening number. So <laughs> um, we're going to have to rewrite that. But that is a great song title for the delivery book. Oh, Every, everything everything works as a song title. Everything. Pineapple Chunks. Pineapple, Pineapple Chunks. Chunks. Write that down. <laughs> but yeah, so Calling Darkness has kind of spiraled out from what started as, you know, just something fun to do with friends in case none of us could get cast in anything else. Um, and taken on a bit of a life of its own. <laughs> and it's it's been a lot of fun to watch it develop. And the team behind it is fantastic. I could not have asked for a better team of people to be working with um, to make this a reality. To, to have something taken from my head and turned into a full-scale production that so many people are involved in and so many people are enjoying and passionate about, um, it's... It's probably the biggest thing I've ever worked on, and I'm so glad that I have the people uh, around me that I get to work on it with. You're um, welcome. <laughs> Caveat. There's a little asterisk at the end of that, and it says, no, except Dan. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> um, was, there, was there anything you were working on that you wanted to mention? Um, working on. Um in progress, um, I have been a cast member on a um, trying words are just not coming to my head right now. A uh, actual play podcast called Rolling Through the Realms that um, stopped recently, and uh, we will be bringing it back, um, or the cast will be returning with a new game called Sunderland uh, with Rob Christofferson from Our String Skies hosting it. So um, it's going to be wonderful because Rob and um, Our Strange Skies is all about aliens, and so we're going to bring the um, the aliens and the weird stuff to the actual play world here in a couple of months. So it's going to be called Sunderland. Sweet. That's fun. <laughs> I didn't know you were into a tabletop. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, we had um, Rolling Through the Realms. We played. We were playing Forgotten Realms. Um with Rob and a few other podcasters, Jen Taylor from um, Vanished and forgive me, Jen, I cannot think of your other podcast name <laughs> um, and just some friends. And yeah, so we had to stop at a, uh, you know, life happening kind of point And we've decided to come back with a new game that's a little bit more modern and weird. Cool. That's really cool. Um, Very fun. Um, so, 
where can everyone find where can where can you be found online social media websites that sort of thing um starting with sarah um i can be found on most websites as either pippinacious or miss pippinacious and um my personal website is just author shcooper.com um, Dan? Um, I can be found on most social medias at Dan Zapula, which I will spell since no one can. Uh, Again. D-A-N-Z-A-P-P-U-L-L-A. Um, and you can also visit my website, danzapula.com, for all of my uh, ongoing works. I can spell your name because Italian to Italian. Thank Italians you. can spell one another's <laughs> names. Just double the consonants and you'll never go wrong. Exactly. <laughs> And um, I'm Desdemona on all the things um, with a Y because I just make spelling things complicated for no reason. Um, and before we break, if you don't mind, I would like to give just one small shout out because I didn't earlier um, to, to Brandon Boone. And the reason being is because not only is he an awesome you know friend of ours, but um, he did such an incredible job with the soundtrack to season one and most notably the, the theme song for season one. Um, Without, I, I do want to say ahead, Brandon just did the main and ending themes. Um, oh, okay. Amy Balcombe did all the, Oh yes. Amy did some work there too. Yeah. She did all the uh, mood themes within the show with, um, without his work in the opening theme, we don't have an opening theme for season two. Um, Because really all I did was piggyback on that and alter a few things. So I just want to give him a shout out for his work there just because um, it's it's fantastic. Brandon is great. Yes. If you want to follow the podcast, we are at EsbachBookish on Twitter. Um, I'm at Elturfit. Reggie? On Twitter, I am at Reggie C. Writes, although I'm very inactive there these days because life is chaos. Um, I'm also screaming on Tumblr about random fandom things because why not? Life is too short to not scream. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Uh, thank you so much to the three for joining us today. I'm surprised you're, you you're thanking us after everything. It's been great. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so much fun. <laughs> thank it you for been. having us. <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you yes, guys so much. Thank you. All right. Um, bye. 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 Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.